If you need a laugh, here on your behalf It's bad mates, are we fighting crime? Or just wasting time? It's bad mates, lunch, boom, crash, kapow Stream a download, holy cow You can stop listening now to bad mates Because we're bad mates Hello and welcome to Batmates. Sit down, Batman. This week, I only want to talk about Peacemaker. My name is Becca, and I have a question for you. Do you really want to, do you really want to taste it? My name is Josh, and I made a vow to make a podcast, no matter how many men, women, or children I have to kill to do it. Oh my god. How <laughs> many children have you killed to make this podcast? I'll never tell. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, well, we're a Batman podcast, and yeah, we'll eventually get to Batman this week, but I only want to talk about Peacemaker. Well, before we talk about Peacemaker, can we do news? Well, really quickly, this podcast contains spoilers for the first four episodes of Peacemaker, so if you are not vaxxed, waxed, and subscribed to HBO Max, please go ahead and do all of those things <laughs> and watch all four episodes of Peacemaker and then come back here. Or you can skip ahead to the comic. We have timestamps in the description, always. Yes. Uh, we're, we're a couple, we love each other, and uh, here's news. On January 18th, the Missouri State Highway Patrol sent out an emergency message that residents of Gotham City should be on the lookout for a green and purple 1978 Dodge 3700 GT. I almost forgot about this. <laughs> I told you this story and I completely forgot about it. Gearheads or Batman fans might recognize that as the cars that are driven by the Joker's goons in the 1989 Batman film. The message was meant to be a test of the emergency system and was sent out accidentally. <laughs> I love whoever it was who was like, oh yeah, this is my go-to for when I'm like training a new person on the system or what I'm like <laughs> trying just check and see if it's working. Because like, I'll do that with like the passwords that I make for work. I'll do like just stuff that only makes sense to me or like just silly little in jokes. Well, I know that when you fill out forms, like when you used to work at like a retail store and you would fill out forms to test like email things, mm -hmm. you would put in my name or like your parents' names or sometimes our cat's names. Yeah, <laughs> I still do that. <laughs> I filled out one that was a test of... Um, like an emergency contact form, mm -hmm. and I used your name, and then under relation, I wrote mortal enemy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, the funny thing that I think uh, about it is that the highway patrol had to send out like a tweet that was like, this was meant as a test. And <laughs> I read the like responses, and someone in the responses was like, you should really have uh, made sure that no one would have to see this because someone might have thought it was a real emergency. And it's like, it's a, it's very clearly a Batman reference. Yeah. Like, it said Gotham City in it. It said Gotham City. There's no Gotham City, Missouri. <laughs> also, has anyone ever gotten an alert on their phone and then been like hyper vigilant looking for that car? Because <laughs> I have not. I never get an Amber Alert and then me immediately run out into the street looking for the car. <laughs> That's not me. Yeah, well, you know, that was funny. So that yeah. was that was the funny news. Uh, hot off the presses, oh. a new Batman board game titled Everyone Lies was announced by Portal Games. Based on their detective board game, players will take on the roles of Catwoman, Harvey Bullock, Vicki Vale, or Warren Spacey. For those unfamiliar, Warren Spacey is a journalist for the Gotham Gazette. He was, he was uh introduced into the canon in like 2015 so he's a fairly new character okay but they will take on those roles in an attempt to solve mysteries using a mix of physical handouts cards and digital content and each player will have unique win conditions and agendas based on which character they choose to play as Ooh. the game will retail for 50 dollars and release this summer with pre-orders opening in march so I have the detective game, and mm -hmm. I'm going to shame both of us. I'm going to shame myself by saying, yes, it is still in the cellophane in the closet, <laughs> and I have never played it, but I will also shame you by saying that you have vowed to never play it with me. Mm -hmm. So if I do want to play it, I have to play it alone. Yeah. <laughs> Which you can, but I don't want to. You so, could play it with somebody else. Okay, but you said you wouldn't play it with me. I'm saying you can play it with someone else besides me. I don't know any other people, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Well, but will you go on the record and say that you might play it once with me to understand the system before this new one comes out? Nope, never. Okay, great. Uh, according to the article, they said that there is an introductory adventure. So I'm assuming that it's sort of a, a tutorial. 
uh, built into the first case. Okay. There's only four cases that come with it, hmm. but they said that each case is supposed to take somewhere between two and three hours. Hmm. So in total, like 12 hours of content maybe, hmm. and you can replay the cases as different characters, and there's like different paths that you can take, so there's a little bit of replayability value to it. Okay. So this new character, well, he's not a new character, but that character that you mentioned at the end, the one, he works for the Gotham Gazette. Yeah. But he's not the one from Batman 89 who Bruce gives a grant to. <laughs> no, no, I don't think he is. Okay. Well, when we play it, I'm going to pretend it's him. Okay. Got it. Uh, next up, we have a lot of Batman, like the Batman film news. The Batman, the news. The Batman, the film, the news. Yeah. <laughs> because uh the movie is coming out in like a month and a half oh so my God. all this stuff is dropping i know last week we talked about some of the merchandise but i missed one thing of merchandise that i think either was announced like right after we recorded or like right before we recorded oreo is promoting the batman film Great. by releasing special editions of the cookie with a picture of batman's face on it but that's not all the packaging will include riddles that, Ooh. when solved, will unlock exclusive digital content and allow uh, consumers to enter a sweepstakes with prizes like an advanced screening of the film. Okay, you and I don't really buy sweets all that much. Are we going to have to go out and buy some Oreos, though? Are you ready for the bad news? Oh, no. The cookies are only available in Canada, Europe, and, and Australia. <laughs> Yeah. This is this is why I bought the soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> so you could boo when you want it. Exactly. Um, dang. Okay, Batman's face. Does that mean it's like a cowl or is it actually Robert Pattinson's It's Robert face Pattinson's on a cookie? From like shoulders up. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I do know people who live in Canada. I can get some for I'm us. sure that you could buy some. Yeah, I can probably I don't get on think Amazon. that you're eligible for the sweepstakes though as a resident of the United States. Damn it. <laughs> oh well. Yeah. Uh, also, the Batman movie, the runtime was announced. Runtime is oh two hours and 55 minutes. I already have to pee. According to The Hollywood Reporter. Oh my god, that... Is that longer than Endgame? I think it's slightly shorter. It's... I think Endgame was about three hours, exactly. It might be longer. I think Endgame didn't hit three hours. Two oh hours 55 god. is super long. I saw some other figure somewhere else is 247. Maybe it's 247 before the credits or something i'm looking it up <laughs> also the batman movie received a pg-13 rating boo uh mpaa's reasoning you ready to hear the the little like boilerplate that they give mm -hmm. for strong violent and disturbing content drug content strong language and some suggestive material Ooh, some <laughs> Who's getting sexy catwoman material <laughs> uh endgame is three hours and two minutes Oh, okay. But Endgame... So it's shorter by seven minutes. Endgame earned its runtime. It was like, listen, you've watched 20 movies at this point. <laughs> and also, we're going to like backtread through a bunch of those other movies that you really liked. And also Thor The Dark World. <laughs> so hold on to your hats. It's going to be an adventure. It's not going to drag. And it and it didn't drag, and is didn't, the thing. No. Do you think that this film will drag at yes. a three-hour runtime? Absolutely, I do. <laughs> I, I look less and they less... They have so many characters that are, like, shoehorned into this, though. Like, they have... The Penguin is going to be in it. They I know, have but the Riddler. He said, his, he said his screen time was cut down to, like, 20 minutes or something. Uh. He's like, I'm not in it a lot. Here's the thing. I don't know if it's because this movie has been in production and was put off because of COVID for so long. I'm no longer excited for it, honestly. <laughs> I hope it's going to be good, but I think if it is, I'm going to be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll, <laughs> we'll see. do an episode for sure after we Absolutely. watch it. Absolutely. You and I sat through like six hours of Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh my so. God. But we watched that in chunks. We watched that over the course of like three days. That's true. And that was like way better than just sitting down and watching four hours of it. <laughs> I don't know if, if I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know if it's just like the snacks that I'm consuming when we go to the movie theater now. But I have not been able to like sit through a movie without going to the bathroom in a while. Oh, me too. Every single time we've gone to the movie theater, even short movies, like only two hour long movies. Yeah. And I, I always get upset. I'm I've always had to pee. every time. 
every time you leave, you miss something. Every time I leave, I miss something. I, I hate it. I hate the concept. Well, we'll be able to rewatch what we miss on HBO Max like a month and a half after it releases. I guess. I, I feel like I did that, too, with Dune. I went to pee. It's true, And then yeah. I came back and I was like, what did I miss? And you were like, you missed the part where the spaceship take off of, of, out of, of uh, Caladan. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So I came home and immediately put it on and watched the scene. And I was like, cool. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's a thought that counts. Yeah. And there's one more bit of news about the Batman the movie. The, the theme song was released. Okay. And it's subdued is the best word I can use for it. It's a far cry from the bombastic and playful Danny Elfman theme. Okay. Is it an indication of a difference in tone from that movie to this movie? Maybe. Time will tell. Mm -hmm. How does it compare to like the Dark Knight series scores, themes? That Those themes were also a little more subdued, weren't they? Yeah. I mean, honestly, when I started listening to this one, I was like, this is like sort of elevator music. Oh no. But like creepy elevator music? I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's not. I mean, there. I listen to it and I can't like hum to myself the main theme of it. Like it, it's it doesn't stick in your head like the Danny Elfman theme or like the Avengers theme. Yeah, you know. So it took the Avengers theme a long time to become iconic, though. I remember like four or five years ago, somebody made a YouTube video where they were going around asking people like, "Can you sing the like Star Wars theme? Can you sing the Jurassic Park theme? Can you sing this theme?" And they're like, "Can you sing the Avengers theme?" And they were like, "Oh man, I've seen like all those movies, but like, what is the music?" But then now that they've added to the beginning of the TV shows on Disney Plus, I feel like I I can. I think it's also it. because like the the theme originally was was very busy with yeah. like a lot of orchestration, and they they sort of like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like pared it down to just the bum 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 and like that's it mm -hmm. like as long as you get that horn and maybe it's just horns mm -hmm. you know because that's the batman theme is you know it's it's the horns is really really makes it stick in your mind you're just saying this because you're a trumpet player <laughs> yeah i love trumpets <laughs> also on the news docket the film for batgirl released an official photo of leslie grace in the costume she looks good. She's purple and yellow. Yeah. I like her. She looks like Yvonne Craig. Or uh, I think she looks like the New 52 costume mm -hmm. a lot because that also had the like bright yellow symbol in the center, the purple around it, and, and the yellow cape. I mean, yeah, it's a throwback to the original like Batgirl stuff. But yeah, it, it's not like it's not her black suit from the 90s or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, she looks good and, and I'm excited for that movie. Me too. The Flash movie will be getting its own three-issue prequel comic in which Batman will feature heavily. Okay. Uh, and that releases on April 26th. The CW Arrowverse shows will also be getting their own comic series. The It's called Earth Prime, and it will release on April 5th. Each show gets its own issue, starting with Batwoman. Hmm. And because we're talking about comics... Would you like to talk about George Perez? I would. So I just want to say that our thoughts go out to George Perez and his family. Uh, Perez is a prolific writer, penciler, and inker who is responsible for creating tons of notable characters, uh, some of whom we'll actually talk about in this episode. Uh, Perez revealed back in December that he has been diagnosed with inoperable pancreatic cancer, and he has decided not to pursue treatment and instead make the best of the six to 12 months that his doctors think he has. So we wish him all the best and thank him for all the wonderful characters and stories that he's given us throughout his illustrious career. How old is he? He's 67. Okay. I know that like the older you get, the less that doctors will recommend getting treatment for cancer just because the drugs they put you on are sometimes worse for you than the cancer. Yeah. Because the whole idea is that you're trying to kill the cancer cells, but it puts your body through hell. Yeah. So... Yeah, it, it's it's sad. It's a terrible disease, and you know yeah. we wish him the best. He said that he's gonna try to do at least one more like uh, public appearance and do signings. It'd probably you know take a long time, take pictures with fans and wow. all that stuff. So it's really nice that he's you know taking that time to give give some attention to his fans and and spend that time with his fans. Uh, and we hope that he gets to spend a lot of time with his family and you know do everything that he wants to do. For sure. Did yeah. he say anything about doing any more comics? Like, is he going to do like one one last one last ride of the comics? I don't know. I guess that's up to him. I yeah. mean, we'd be grateful for it, but he's given us so much. Yeah. So. I guess it depends on the state of his health too. Yeah. You know, it might be hard. Yeah. 
finally, on my news docket, I have that James Gunn revealed in an interview with Collider that he is working on another DC TV project. Ooh. Yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> They basically, he was like, "You said you're working with DC. What's going on with that?" And he was like, "Yeah, I don't know. We're, you know, we're moving forward with stuff. I was talking about it last night." And then uh, he was like, "The the interviewer was like, can I ask if it's a movie or a TV show?" And he sort of sat there for a second. He's like, "It's TV. I'll give you that much." And it's like, "Okay, cool. I won't press any further." Is it maybe just Peacemaker season two? <laughs> No idea. There, there's no no details. The, like I said, the interview didn't didn't press because he knows that it's like under NDA and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. We'll see. It could it could be maybe a Ratcatcher series because Ratcatcher survived the Suicide Squad film and yeah. maybe he wants to work with that character. But we'll see. We'll could see. be Bloodsport. Now that we're talking about James Gunn, though, I think it is time for the Peacemaker review. Yay! Okay. So you want to start this off? Yes. Okay, our review of Peacemaker. All right. The short... first four episodes have come out. Yes. Uh, short review. It's great. Yes. It's maybe the best thing DC has done in a really <laughs> long time. For certain, the the best like live action thing they've done, excluding the su Suicide Squad yeah. in the last like decade. And you were thinking that it was going to be sort of like a Titans-ish CW kind of, but no, they are throwing real money at this. Yeah, for they sure. They have a real writer and director in James Gunn. They've hired real actors, you know, <laughs> no shade to anybody who like, you know, quite literally breaks their back on a CW show. But mm -hmm. like, this is like next level prestige television, but like in the DC universe. And I just love it. It's really, <laughs> really good. I mean, they... They've spent quite a bit of money on, like, Titans and... But uh... it sucks. <laughs> okay? There, I, I said watched, it. I haven't watched Doom Patrol, but I've heard good things. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard good things about Doom Patrol, sure. But, like, this is next level. It's yeah. so good. All right, so I, I've broken this down into a couple of categories so we don't just, like, gush the whole time. Okay. Uh, I want to start first. I want to talk about uh, John Cena's performance. Okay. And if you want a backstory on... Uh, Peacemaker, go back to our Bizarro Batman episode for a full discussion on Peacemaker's backstory, his whole thing in the comics. It's very different from what's happening in, you know, the Suicide Squad and what's happening in the Peacemaker show, but it'll it's a good refresher on just like the character. Yeah, the history of the character. Mm. So the Bizarro Batman episode. Yes. Go back and listen to that one. We also talked a little bit about John Cena as an actor That's in true. that episode. And I have to say that uh I think I called it. Yeah. I said, you know, he's a good actor. For sure. He no. Gets I, you on your side. I was gonna say, I can't remember if I spoke ill of John's performance in Suicide Squad yeah. when we did our review. But I if I did, I take it back. He's doing a great job in this show. You said in the squad goals for Peacemaker back when we did that, that Cena has good comedic chops, and mm -hmm. this show definitely proves Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I said his acting ability is a little bit above The Rocks and a little bit below Dave Bautista's, mm -hmm. and I think I stand by that. Yeah, no, for sure, yeah. for sure. I he carries He's got it. very great comedic timing, honestly, yeah. Yes, he's a little bit of a scenery chewer, just a little bit. <laughs> but it works really well with the character, and I think he is, like, showing a lot of nuance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so few, like, bad things that I think I could say about this show. I honestly can't off the top of my head think about anything that I, like, do not like about it. Yeah, I think all of the characters are likable. All of the all of the performances are great. Yeah, the action is really good. The writing is on point. Mm -hmm. It's very violent. It doesn't, it's like, true. overdo it, but when it gets violent, it's, like, visceral. So if you don't really like violence... Yeah, I mean, there's a point where somebody, like, slices at somebody's Achilles tendon or something. Yeah. And I was like, It's a very visceral knife fight but, in the first episode. you know, if you watch the Suicide Squad movie, you know how violent this is going to be because mm -hmm. it's like on the same level I and mean, it's not as gory as the suicide squad movie was but it, it's definitely like on the same level of violence yeah. i would say i want to talk a little bit about um the character's backstory which is a big deviation from the comics mm -hmm. and i really enjoy what they're doing with like he does have this relationship with his father but his father is also like a terrible person. Mm -hmm. um, you might remember from the Bizarro Batman episode that his father ran a like concentration slash death camp in World War II. 
Um, he was like a commandant. And because of that, he, I don't know, eventually Peacemaker as a boy like finds this out about his father and his father commits suicide in front of him. Mm -hmm. uh, this version, his father is still in his life. He's still alive. He was never a Nazi, but he was possibly maybe like a Ku Klux Klan superhero. Yeah, we, super villain. Super villain. Yeah. We'll get into uh, White Dragon probably in a couple of episodes, but yeah, there's sort of like playing it coy with like what exactly he did or like who he was. There's obviously so much trauma in Peacemaker's life because of like the actions of his father and like what he forced him to do. There's this unsolved mystery of like what happened to his brother and how was he involved? And it's just, it's so juicy. And they're giving us like just enough like little kernels of information that I'm like, I cannot wait for the next episode. <laughs> so it's really good. I think it's a great update of the sort of dynamic that he had with his father in the comics where he, you know, his father was a voice in his ear that was, you know, literally, he was a voice inside of his helmet yeah, like literally who was telling him what to do. <laughs> yes. But, you know, in this show, his father is alive and he's still like, he's not a Nazi, but he is like a huge racist, which is, you yeah. know, because he would have been too old if he would have been a Nazi in World War Two. He's a neo-Nazi, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Which is, yeah, like I said, it's like a good adaption to like bring it up to modern times, yeah. you know? It's fantastic. I, I, I like the little references to like um, his flag being like upside down and someone's like, what's that about? And and Peacemaker's just like, I don't know, it's some deep state. I don't know. <laughs> he like doesn't even want to explain it. He's so like ashamed of his father and he still like wants his respect so much. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I did want to throw in that I'm loving that James Gunn is making weird characters canon yes. in the DCEU. Like Batmite. Doll Man and Matter Eater Lad. Yes. <laughs> Which I want to point out, if Batmite, we haven't done an episode on him yet. It's coming. We're going to do it eventually. We have to. So stop asking. I know. Stop ba blowing up our email and Twitter. <laughs> Batmite is like a, a staple of Silver Age wacky, wackadoo stuff. I want to see Henry Cavill fight Mr. McSpitlick. <laughs> Because if Batmite is canon, Mr. McSpicklet must be canon because they come from the same dimension. That's true. I don't think Henry Cavill's coming back. Like yeah, that, that fair ship, enough. That ship has sailed. We'll, we'll get our new Batman, or our new uh, Superman, probably in the Flashpoint movie. Yeah, after the Flash, and they do the Flashpoint. Maybe it'll just be Batwoman, honestly. Or not Batwoman. What am I saying? Superwoman. Because they have Superwoman in that movie. Oh, Maybe she'll yeah. just be the new, like, super person. Character, yeah. Character. I guess. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. So I mentioned uh, a little bit about Peacemaker's backstory in the comics, and uh, that actually brings me to a little bit of news. Oh. Some Peacemaker news. Wow. Uh, so Garth Ennis, who is the creator of The Boys and Preacher, is going to do a short run titled Peacemaker, Disturbing the Peace. And if you know anything about The Boys or Garth Ennis' style, you know that he is just loves to be really edgy and really gory and like really gross like so edgy it kind of like turns your stomach a little bit mm -hmm. i read the boys i'm like kind of in the process of reading it i like can't read too much at once because it like <laughs> is pretty upsetting off-putting at points um but so obviously so peacemaker's father his original backstory was his father killed himself in front of peacemaker but, you know, that's not enough for Garth Ennis. So a preview for this comic, uh, which uh, the first issue comes out January 25th. We're recording this on January 22nd, so it's not out yet. But the preview shows uh, Peacemaker talking to a psychiatrist and recounting his earliest trauma, which was coming home from school and seeing not just his father uh, hung hanging by a rope in the kitchen, but his mother's head in the oven. Oh boy. And then he also says the twins were in the washing machine on the rinse cycle. And then the last panel he's like, and of course the baby, and you just see him looking at the microwave as it goes ding. Oh boy. So that's just sort of the level of Garth Ennis that we can expect in this Peacemaker comic. <laughs> so if that's not your thing, I'd say maybe skip it. But Yeah, I'd say skip it. <laughs> regardless <laughs> but yeah that's the uh that's the peacemaker comic that's coming out that very is your, if different that is your thing go see a therapist yeah i mean if you love the boys you'll probably like this but you know that's you you do you <laughs> Uh, all right, so I just wanted to have that quick little deviation, but back to the actual Peacemaker television show. I really like the story overall. I think it's a really interesting mystery. I mentioned earlier, it's giving you just like enough like little crumbs. 
just a short little recap. So their main like big thing they're trying to fight is some alien race called the butterflies, which has come to Earth and seems to either infect people or take over their bodies or something like that and control their brains. It's a little invasion of the body snatchers and a little bit of men in black. Mm -hmm. Like I think there was uh, in men in black, there was like people who would control people like aliens that would control people. Yeah. And I think because, okay, big spoilers, big, big spoilers. We already mentioned that there's going to be spoilers. In episode four, you learn that the guy who's the head of the team, Mern, he is like a, a butterfly as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's possible that he might be like one of the good ones or yeah. something. They might try to pull that on us. Well, it doesn't necessarily seem like any of them are inherently evil. We yeah. haven't seen them do anything bad. And in fact, we got that sort of like enticing moment where Judo Master says, you don't understand about the butterflies and not what what you think. And then, of course, we get the new character, um, Leota, who is Amanda Waller's daughter, then, like, shoots him in the stomach and Mm -hmm. is, like, stops him from saying what he was going to say. Do we think Leota is as, like, innocent and, like, kind and, like, out of her element as she seems? Or is she a cold-blooded killer, like, like, like her mother? Is. Like her yeah. mother? Is she controlling the narrative every step of the way? Because I totally could see that being a reveal at the end. She she is manipulative. We have seen oh, her absolutely. be manipulative. I do think that she is green. Because I watched HBO Max put out like these little uh, character things, and they had the actors talking about the characters that they play. Mm-hmm. And the actor said... She was like, you know, she's a little green and she's trying to like find her footing and, and get used to everything. So I think that it's actually true, but I do think that deep down she has that she has that Waller DNA. That killer instinct. Exactly, yeah. I love it. I did just want to mention um, a big thank you to James Gunn for returning the concept of Amanda Waller on an iPad <laughs> to the Suicide Squad universe. Thank you for keeping that canon from the first Suicide Squad movie where nine times out of 10 when we see Amanda Waller, she is just a face on a screen, usually an iPad. This time it was a laptop, uh, but you know what? I'll allow it. It was still a good old iPad, Amanda, and I appreciated it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a really good mystery, and I am just super excited to see where it goes. And I like that he's now sort of like keeping it as a pet in his little trailer oh, yeah. and like giving it like shotgun blowing blowing uh like weed <laughs> shots into its little jar that he set it up as yeah the yeah. second show on television that i'm actively watching where uh shotgunning is a main plot point shout out to uh and just like that which is the worst show on television <laughs> and i have watched every episode speaking of and just like that uh i think it's really interesting and great about the show Peacemaker mm-hmm. is that it's got a really uh, diverse cast, a lot of different ethnicities, a lot of different body types, a lot of different characters, a lot of different uh, genders and, and sexualities represented. But it's really cool, unlike in Just Like That, that uh, you know we have characters who you know are uh, black lesbian, but there's more to her character than just the fact that she is a black lesbian. Yeah, she doesn't start every conversation by being like, "Well, I'm a black lesbian," but blah 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 blah. Yeah, she's just. Great. I love Leota. She's a fantastic character. Her, her internal, like... Struggle? Conflict? Yeah. yeah, her internal struggle is not based at all, like, with her sexuality or anything. She's, you know, she's dealing with the fact that she has to leave her wife alone yeah. because of, you know... And she's scared she's that her wife is going to get hurt and exactly. her, her little dogs are going to get hurt. But, like, you know, that's that's some sort of good storytelling. It's like that story could have been told from a from a straight person perspective, but it wasn't. Yeah, and, and there... representation is so great, and it's so great that we have lots of different characters on TV. And it's not a defining characteristic. Yeah. You know, it's, it's good. It's great. I think it's awesome. The secondary characters in the show are fantastic. I absolutely love uh, Economist. He's yeah. great. He's a lot of returning characters from the Suicide Squad. So Economist was uh, the blonde girl. Was she in? I think yeah, she, must she have was. Been. She yeah, was. she was in Suicide Squad. They were all just sort of in that like you know little Amanda Waller corner. Yeah, with like two or three lines until the end when they commit mutiny against her. <laughs> um, but yeah, all those characters are just really great. Leota's great. Um, so that does bring us to a new segment this week, which we are calling Peace Pals. Oh. 
Peace Pals. <laughs> Welcome to the first iteration of Peace Pals, a short-running segment where we are covering the comic book characters who appear in the HBO Max series Peacemaker. And this week, we are starting with the best. He is woke. He can fight. He only has nine and a half toes. <laughs> the internet's new boyfriend, Adrian Chase, aka Vigilante. As we have seen with almost all the other James Gunn penned adaptation characters, the Vigilante in Peacemaker is very different from his comics counterpart. So let's get into the comics backstory first, and then we'll chat about the fantastic iteration in Peacemaker. Adrian Chase is one of at least nine people who have taken on the mantle of Vigilante in DC <laughs> Comics. And I am not giving backstories on all of them. And I can understand why. It's not a very creative name. It's sort of like being named hero or crime fighter. <laughs> you know, you mentioned that. And I was, when we were looking at comics to do today, I was like, oh, we have like Starman on this list. And I tried to look up Starman and there's like six people who took on the name Starman. Oh, God. So Adrian was the second vigilante. The first was actually a Western-themed hero who debuted in Action Comics in 1941. And fun fact, uh, that vigilante had a sidekick named Stuff the Chinatown Kid. Ooh! <laughs> and apparently this character was like a notable departure from how most Chinese Americans were portrayed in comics of the time. Mm -hmm. And that being that he didn't speak in broken English and he wasn't saddled with numerous racist stereotypes. Oh, wow. So that's nice for 1940. I think it's 1942 when that character came out. Okay. Yeah. Adrian Chase, the second vigilante, debuted in 1983 in the new Teen Titans. He was created by Marv Wolfman and George Perez, who oh. created all of your favorite Teen Titans characters, Raven, Starfire, Cyborg, and Deathstroke. Hmm. Adrian was a New York district attorney with a loving wife and children. However, when his work causes him to become an enemy of the mafia, his family is violently ripped away from him when they are killed by a bomb planted by the Scarapelli mob family. This sort of sounds like Huntress's origin it does. story. You know what? There's only so many backstories you can do. When you have <laughs> There's like... only so many ways your parents can be killed. Exactly. Somebody's somebody's gotta have their parents killed by a mob twice. Exactly. Well the thing about Huntress was that her family like was also sort of sort of part of the mob. That's true, so it's yeah. Like, I don't know. But this was uh, sort of like a Harvey Dent kind of mixed with Huntress. It's like he's fighting against the mobs, so the mob's gonna fight back against him and mm. I'll kill his family. Uh, so realizing that he'd never bring the mob down within the legal system, also like Two Face, uh, Adrian decides to don the costume and the mantle of the vigilante and work outside the system to get justice. Ooh. Because he's trained as a lawyer and, you know, always wants to sort of do things within the legal system, he does uh -huh. feel a lot of guilt working outside the legal system and actually briefly gives up the mantle of vigilante. And unbeknownst to him, the mantle's taken up by two of his friends, a judge named Alan Wells and a bailiff named Dave Winston. Things go awry when Wells kills a police officer and Winston is permanently taken down by Peacemaker. Ooh. And following these losses, Adrian takes up the mantle again, but this time is much more vicious. Uh, he seeks revenge for the death of Winston and goes after Peacemaker, only to get unmasked on live TV during a fight with him. Wow. Following this incident, Adrian quickly spiraled, uh, not actually abandoning the vigilante mantle, but becoming more conflicted, mentally unstable, paranoid, and violent. He begins murdering innocent police officers who get in his way on missions. And ultimately, with his life collapsing around him and his guilt insurmountable, Adrian took his own life in Vigilante Number 50 in 1988. Wow! Yeah, so short-lived, but definitely a very impactful story. Truly line. a Bronze Age ending. Truly yeah. a, like, Dark Age of comics. Yeah, he does it in a very Bronze Age way, too. He takes a tiny little gun, and he puts it around his chin in his bathroom, and then boom. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he briefly appears in a crossover series called Day of Judgment, uh, which partially takes place in Purgatory, and features a lot of dead-like heroes. Oh, so interesting. he's in Purgatory. I think it's, like, a Green Lantern storyline. Okay. Well, it's a crossover comic, but, like, Green Lantern. I think Hal Jordan is, like, in purgatory at some point mm. uh, yeah he does die actually mm -hmm. Hal Jordan died at one point in the comics yeah uh, in future state he also appears in a Red Hood story where he gets captured by Red Hood and turned over to the peacekeepers of the magistrate now, as for, you know, other iterations of the character outside of comics, uh, Adrian appeared in the television show Arrow, uh, which neither of us ever watched. <laughs> and of course, he is quickly becoming the star of Peacemaker, and I am not the only one who thinks so. Uh, I also just want to mention he's played by a alumnus of the Harry Potter film. That's true, The actor yeah. who played Cormac McLaggen. So he's also doing a really great American accent for a British actor. 
You know what? He's giving me like Ryan Reynolds Deadpool vibes as the character. That's what his, a lot of people have been saying. His like phys—it's his physicality, mm-hmm. his physical comedy that he's doing, where he's like doing action moves, but they're exaggerated in some sort of way that, yeah. that is very reminiscent of like Deadpool. Yeah, it's not as like tongue-in-cheek as Deadpool though. It's played a little bit more straight, which I like. Well, he's playing it as someone who's like just a little unhinged. Just Whereas Deadpool is like a little? fully, uh, you know, he's meta, he knows that he's in a movie and all that sort of stuff. I, I want to remind you that uh, Vigilante killed two children in episode three, I believe. It yeah, was. it needed to be done. <laughs> it needed to be done. All right. So anyway, what I just said was that uh, he's the star of the show, in my personal opinion. And I'm not the only one who thinks so. Following episode four, Twitter was quickly filled with people of every gender and sexual orientation claiming Adrian as their boyfriend. (laughs) Although, obviously, I saw him first, so everyone else can back off. (laughs) In all seriousness, I'm really excited to see where his character goes after his powerful performance in episode four. He's got comedic chops, his serious moments can break your heart, and he holds his own when paired with notorious scenery chewer John Cena. That's true. So yeah. I, I'm really excited. Now, I am nervous. Okay. James Gunn has this way of making you fall in love with extremely sympathetic and complex characters and then tearing them into little pieces before your eyes. Rest in peace, Yondu. Rest in peace, Polka Dot Man. Yeah. So place your bets now. Does Adrian make it out of episode eight alive? Hmm. I mean... Given that he dies in the comics, I'd say it's a safe bet to think that he dies in the move in the in the TV show. But it's so different. Like he doesn't seem like he's really racked with guilt. Although mm. he might, following some of his actions in episode four, he might start to feel guilty depending on how much his actions impact the mission. That's true. I mean, he did break down. He was like, "I made things worse." Yeah, I love <laughs> it. I've been there. <laughs> I think everybody's been there. Yeah. Oh, that scene in the prison was so good. The actor is so, so good. Yeah. I'm no? just, I wanted to watch it again and again. He's great. All right. Well, that's all I have. That was that was all the gushing that I had inside of me for Peacemaker. <laughs> I, 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 I poured it into the mic and now it's being poured into your ears. So I hope that you enjoyed it. And I hope that you also really like Peacemaker and will continue to watch it with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We will we will continue updating you on uh, how we're feeling about Peacemaker. Yeah. In future episodes. Yes, and we'll, we'll, there will only be like two episodes since we're doing every other week where we'll get to talk about it. Well, I only have two other characters for uh, that's Peace, true. Peace Pal. So yeah. stay tuned for uh, most of them are original characters. Yeah. Smyrn is original. Mm-hmm. Uh, Economo. Economist. Well, stay tuned for uh, Peace Pal's Judo Master and Peace Pal's uh, White Dragon. Okay. Okay. And well, maybe some more characters might appear. Who knows? Maybe, maybe. Maybe we'll do a mini-sode. Okay. That brings us to our Silver Age review. <laughs> Detective Comics number 280, The Menace of the Atomic Man. Penciler Sheldon Moldov, inker Charles Paris, editor Murray Boltanov, and George Kashtan. There's no writer listed, but I'm willing to bet it was probably Bill Finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably. yeah. So the cover is actually something we see in the comic, which I feel like is not <laughs> something that we always have. Uh, a reject from the grasshopper gang shooting laser beams, the Batmobile, and turning it into glass. Hmm. Hmm. And then we have the inside cover where Batman is the sole passenger on a reverse Titanic disaster. <laughs> Instead of sinking beneath the waves, he is rising up into the air on a giant cruise liner. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And Robin's like, he'll go into the stratosphere. I have to save him. Mm-hmm. We open in the showroom of the Hayes Float Company, where Mr. Hayes is boasting to his security guard about all the floats he made for the Gotham City's anniversary parade. I'm not sure what the theme of the parade is, but I see a lot of storybook scenes. Uh, Cinderella's carriage, a little cottage, a castle, the Easter bunny, and Old some Cole, eggs. The, the shoe from the woman in the shoe. Yeah. I don't know... It, what is it an anniversary parade for? The city being founded? I guess. What does that have to do with nursery rhymes? I'm not sure. It's going to be a confusing parade, I think. <laughs> Suddenly, in bursts a gang of three identical goons. I guess Sheldon didn't feel like we're drawing more than one face. <laughs> and a man wearing green spandex and a weird metallic helmet with a superfluous fin on top and big steampunk goggles. 
The security guard gets ready to shoot first and ask questions later. But in one miraculous moment, a beam of light shoots from the green man's eyes and the gun turns to paper in the guard's hand. The strange criminal gives the order for those goons to knock out Hayes and the security guard and secure them in the next room. Meanwhile, he turns his beams to the floats and turns them all into piles of rubble and rock. I do want to note that his costume has a picture of an atom. Uh, the I want to say it's the Bohr model, okay. where it's the center with the things around it. If you if you watch science fiction, you know it's it's the like basic symbol for an atom. Aptly named nuclear physicist Niels Bohr. Yes. Yes. So uh, also, <laughs> I know that we'll get to it later, right? I know we'll get to his motives later. But if he has the ability to change states of matter, why doesn't he just do alchemy and make everything gold and silver and move to Cancun? He could do that. Or he'd go to Spaceport Knox <laughs> to call their gold. Hayes must be tough as nails because he quickly regains consciousness and creeps over to a float of Batman and Robin that is rigged with a firework that will admit the bat signal. Finally, a float that feels like it fits into this parade. The comic calls this firework an imitation bat signal. There is no such thing as an imitation bat signal. That's like saying imitation emergency lights. It's either a bat signal or it isn't. Well, it's not the official one that's like on the GCPD. <laughs> okay, I suppose, but it'll still call Batman as we'll see. Yeah, no, it works. It wouldn't have if he hadn't been out patrolling, so good thing that he does that. <laughs> I suppose. Anywho, uh, we cut to the Batcave where Bruce is giving Dick a forensic science lesson. Detectiving! Mm -hmm. Suddenly, what I'm led to believe is a dog brings Bruce his suit, signaling that it is time to go on patrol. We we're going get... Get... to get into the Sheldon Baldoff can't draw dogs. <laughs> yes, because every time Ace the Bathound shows up, I am reminded that Sheldon Baldoff can't draw dogs. <laughs> Anyway, they go on patrol, and they head out just in time to see a firework light up the sky with the bat signal. They can tell the rocket came from the Hayes Float Company and head over, where they are faced with Gotham's newest criminals about to escape with their take from the safe. Mm. Again, I have further questions as the fight begins, and Batman knocks one goon into a float of old King Cole. Mm -hmm. and Robin, of course, knocks the other into the house of the old woman who lived in a shoe. <laughs> what is Gotham's history about? <laughs> Maybe they just had these lying around from some kid's float parade. Maybe. I mean, he was boasting to his guard. He's like, look, I got them all finished for the parade. I only had to use 60 that we had in back stock. What was, was the, is the parade supposed to be during the day? Was the fireworks supposed to work in the daytime? I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. This is, gets more confusing the more you think about it. I'm sure. Just as the tide of the fight begins to turn, the green gangster turns his miraculous beams onto the chain of a chandelier, turning it to water and causing the heavy fixture to fall right onto where Robin is standing. Quickly, Batman lurches forward with a float, knocking Robin to safety. Robin doesn't have enough time to react, but Batman does? Why is Robin just standing there as a chandelier falls on him? Maybe he doesn't realize. He's looking up at it in the panel. <laughs> Uh, you know how, like, deers will just, like, freeze Oh, you think he's car? got deer in headlights? Deer in headlights, yeah. <laughs> deer in <and> chandelier. <laughs> However, in the chaos, the criminals manage to get to their getaway car, and as the dynamic duo make their way outside, the goggled gremlin makes his final move, turning the Batmobile to glass, rendering it useless. Mm. Back in the showroom, Hayes laments that he'll have to take out a huge loan to cover the lost profits from the ruined floats. This guy should have gotten his inventory insured. It's true. How can you be a guy who builds, like, expensive floats and not insure your stock? Well, maybe it's, like, he'll have to pay back the city because they paid for the floats. Oh, maybe. Maybe the city didn't purchase float insurance or for the parade. maybe, I was going to say, maybe there was some sort of clause in the contract where there's um, monetary damages that get issued to the city if he can't make them in time. Maybe. Batman wonders why the gang didn't just steal the money and run, but stayed behind to ruin the floats as well. Mm -hmm. Back in the Batcave, the masked manhunter claims earlobes can be just as distinctive as fingerprints and posits that he knows exactly who the green mystery man was. Batman's here pointing to his chart of weird ears that he has hung up in the Batcave. And I gotta say, <laughs> this better be shown in the Robert Pattinson film or I'm gonna riot. <laughs> we need a penny, a huge penny, a dinosaur, a chart of weird ears. Those are all the iconic things of the Batcave. The staples of the Batcave. <laughs> exactly. 
We flash back seven years where Batman is the star witness in the trial of Paul Strobe, a man accused of stealing platinum and gold from his business partners, Barker, Jenkins, and of course, Hayes. Batman testifies that he arrested Strobe while he was trying to sell the stolen metals in the underworld. As he is hauled away to jail, Strobe vows revenge on each of the three business partners and Batman. We haven't really talked about it much, but Silver Age Batman attends a staggering amount of court hearings. <laughs> Sometimes he's a key, key witness, sure, but you'd think he'd be busy with other things. Not during the day. He doesn't have anything better to do? No. He runs a company. <laughs> I guess he doesn't really run a company in the Silver Age. Shareholders. He's got generational wealth in the Silver Age, and he doesn't really do much with it. Yeah. No, I agree. We then cut to Strobe after his depressingly short stint in prison. He then develops goggles that can alter the molecular construction of inanimate objects he focuses his eyes on. He decides to call himself Atomic Man. And I just don't want to know what powers those goggles or what it could be doing to his brain. <laughs> the goggles also include a white lens that blocks the beam so he can only focus it on the things that he wants to change. After hiring his goons, he makes it a point to tell them that his powers could only work for two hours before he has to recharge. Mm. Back in the present in the Batcave, Batman theorizes that uh, with Hayes' business ruined, Atomic Man will move on to his next partner, Barker. Barker now runs a shipbuilding business in which the dynamic duo stake out in search of the Atomic Man. The reason why he thinks that he'll move on to Barker is because Barker is the second one who testified in the court hearing. And how nice of Atomic Man to move through the people who he has vendettas against in the order in which they testified against him. In a predictable order. Exactly. Yes. It's nice. <laughs> I mean, they had a 50-50 chance. They That's true. Could have sent Batman into one place and Robin to another, but hey, it's lazy writing, so what are you gonna do? <laughs> Sorry, Bill. <laughs> so at the shipbuilding business, Batman leaves Robin in charge of Lookout and sneaks aboard a cruise liner to look for evil doing. It doesn't take him long to find Atomic Man turning a safe transparent before his goons break the lock. Batman unfortunately can't sneak for long before Atomic Man catches him snooping. Atomic Man promises that he planned on destroying Batman's career as well, but decides to simply turn the table in front of him into sticky balls that <laughs> slow Batman down while the gang rushes off the ship. With Batman alone on board, Atomic Man focuses on the ship and turns it lighter than air, and it quickly rises into the sky. Batman contacts Robin by radio and instructs him to fly to the ship in a whirly bat. Whirly bats. Whirly bats. Whirly bats. <laughs> then, once the boy is close, Batman leaps off the ship and grips the bottom of the world's safest aircraft. <laughs> Honestly, if the whirly bat didn't seem unstable before, add a 260-pound, six-foot man swinging underneath it. <laughs> My god. Okay, would you rather fly a whirly bat or ride in a boat that was reconstructed using only flex tape? <laughs> the flex tape, because yeah. it works. It works. Which seems more stable to you? <laughs> I hope that boat was insured, too. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Flies off into the sun. I mean, couldn't Superman just go get it? If it's lighter than air, it's got to hit a certain point where it stops floating. Because it's only lighter than air at, like, sea level. Mm -hmm. Right? So there's got to be a certain point where in, at which it is no longer lighter than the thin air on which it's sitting on top of. Yeah. It's true, though. Yeah, you could... You could Batman could call up Superman to come and... and Grab this. We lost a cruise liner. Can you, can you go get it, Clark? <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Once they miraculously land, <laughs> our heroes know they need to go protect Jenkins at his art gallery. The two meet Atomic Man and his gang before they have a chance to do any damage, and a fight ensues. I hope his art is insured. No, it's not. <laughs> Fed up with his defeats, Atomic Man turns his beam onto Batman's cowl, turning it transparent long enough to get a good look at Batman's features. Oh, now no. he'll be able to figure out Batman's secret identity. Feeling cocky, Atomic Man transforms a statue into a large spiky ball, what does that mean, balls, and rolls it towards Batman. Easy to draw. Exactly. <laughs> Thinking quickly, Batman throws one of Atomic Man's own goons at him, trapping him onto the floor, where Batman can then slap some cuffs on his wrists. However, the newly captured Atomic Man makes a good point. He can still reveal Batman's identity, However, the world's greatest detective saw Atomic Man turn the safe transparent, and he knew he could do the same to the cowl, and therefore he applied makeup over his features before coming after Atomic Man. Everyone knows makeup is magic, so his identity is safe. 
And I know they probably mean like he used like spirit gum and stuff, but I just like to imagine that Atomic Man made the cowl transparent and Batman was done up like a like a drag queen with just like a ton of makeup. I was gonna say he had like guy liner or yeah. something. No, even more than that. Just like full fish. The, in the comic he looks like he just added like a couple of age lines to himself. Yep. There's really not much changed. It's I, Thomas I, Wayne's ghost. Come back from the dead. At first, I thought the makeup thing was stupid, but we've covered Matches Malone on the podcast, and Batman is supposed to be a master of disguise, so I'll let it slide, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he didn't change his hair color or anything, and his ears are the same. Ooh. <laughs> so maybe Atomic Man can figure out what he looks like by his ears. That's true. Because that's has... apparently how Batman figured out who Atomic Man was. That's true. But he has his ears sort of like, you know. Tucked back. Tucked back a little yeah. bit in the cowl. I mean, the other thing was it was, you know, it's kind of an easy leap. It would be like, okay, well, who are Hayes' enemies? Yeah. Oh, yeah, this guy who he, like, sent to prison. That's true. Probably. That's probably not it. I mean, I've only sent one person to prison, right? How many people have you sent to prison? Zero. I have okay. sent zero people to so, prison. So, like, there's not a lot of people have, like, mortal enemies they've sent to prison it's true yes and this is true i have sent a person to prison so like you're welcome (laughs) keeping these streets safe this also reminds me of the justice league episode where flash and lex Luthor switch bodies and lex Luthor takes off flash's disguise and he's like i have no idea who this is (laughs) my favorite moment (laughs) Uh, poor barry he's a nobody it's like how are you gonna figure unless you've seen the guy before how are you gonna know who it is i mean yeah the comic almost unintentionally spoils itself by him like looking at batman and immediately being like oh that's bruce wayne exactly (laughs) like everyone knows who bruce is so moral of the story ensure your expensive things you never know when a vindictive former associate will attempt to bankrupt you by destroying your property absolutely this uh podcast is sponsored by farmers because i like j jonah jameson (laughs) i like uh what's his face you know yeah j jonah jameson j jonah jameson (laughs) he has a real name it's uh he's jk simmons yes jk simmons i like jk simmons I was going to say, he's played J. Jonah Jameson like three times, though, so it might as well be his name. Might as well be his name. J. Jonah Simmons. (laughs) All right. Well, that's all the Batmates we got for you this week. Yep. Hope you enjoyed it. Please watch Peacemaker. Uh, If you haven't already, sorry we spoiled it for you, but you should still watch it. Um, And you can email us at batmatespodcast at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at batmates it's not either or you can do both it's true yeah and you can leave a review for us on itunes yeah and we'll if, read it if you re- leave a five-star review for us on itunes we'll read it on the air yeah no one's left a review a review for us in a really long time and i would really like to read a review from somebody so if you're out there and you like our podcast leave a review because we want to know you're out there and like we know that like someone's listening to this podcast we can see here's the thing our download rate. i know for sure based on our download rate that we have at least 12 listeners we do and thank you <laughs> to you 12 you're so important to us we love you and we only have like four or five uh podcast reviews so i want those other six people who haven't reviewed our podcast to go and do it yeah we want to know who you are even if you don't you even if you don't use apple Podcasts. Even if you're like an Android user or whatever, you use a different podcast app, review it on iTunes because that'll help us get discovered. It will, yes. Uh, All right, everybody. Hope you have a good week. Um, uh, Peace out.